Uh, Revelation chapter 3, you there? All right, I want to ask a question. How many are enthusiastic tonight? Do I have any enthusiastic people in here tonight? We had some enthusiastic praise, amen? Did you know that the word enthusiastic means something really powerful? Now, we've said the word a lot, right? We say, we say words a lot, and we don't really, really always know what they mean. We say, man, I'm enthusiastic about this, or man, that person's really got a lot of enthusiasm. Well, in the Greek, the word in, E-N, actually means I-N, in. Okay, same thing. And then the word enthusiasm actually comes from the Greek, and it comes from the word theos, which is God. So when you say you're enthusiastic about something, you're actually saying I'm in God about something. And, 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 and tied in, amen, and really, really excited about something. You can, don't do it now, but you can look later and see that I'm not making that up, amen. It's from the Greek word theos, which is God. And so it actually literally means in God or God in us. So when you're doing something for the Lord and you say, I'm enthusiastic about this, you, you are, are enthusiastic about what God has done in your life. How many want to live a life that is enthusiastic for Jesus? Amen? And I've always said this and I believe this. If you're more enthusiastic about things than you are about God, then something's wrong. We should be enthusiastic about Jesus. And I want to ask you a question as we get moving in this and we read this scripture in just a second. How many, and don't, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, I want you to ask yourself this question. When you begin to talk to somebody, I mentioned this morning, I had that long conversation with that man. When you begin to talk to somebody for very long, does Jesus come out of you? Is Jesus the passion in your life? It's okay to talk about other things, it's okay to talk about hobbies and all that, but is Jesus way down the list or is he right up front? That's something we need to ask ourselves, amen, because whatever you're passionate about, you talk about. And I want us to get to a place where we are so enthusiastic and in love with God and on fire for God that God comes out of us. Amen, how many want to walk away from somebody and they just say, man, that person loves God. No matter if they believe in it or not, that person loves God. So an enthusiastic person, listen, is somebody possessed by God. We heard of people being demon possessed. How about being God possessed? I want to be God possessed. I want God, like Peter said, I want you to wash my hands, my feet, my head, my everything. Amen. I want to be possessed by God. I want to be so full of God that He comes out of me. Ecclesiastes 9 10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Amen. And it, it, again, if you're doing more for anything else then you've got a problem with idols doesn't mean you don't go to work or have hobbies or but god's first god is the is the is the is the the everything and he's my he's my gasoline he's my engine he's my push whatever your hands find to do do it with all your might romans 12 11 says never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Amen. Let me read that again. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Sometimes we can have times in our, in our, in our services or in our lives or in church or different things where we feel like, man, people are dead. Listen, the praise team sometimes can say, man, everybody's dead. No one wants to praise. No one's entering in. No one's really clapping. No one's really singing. And there can be a lot of factors to that. But I want to tell you what the number one factor is. It's you and it's me. 
What we bring to the table is everything. I need to have a spiritual fervor in my life that's personal. I'm not basing my fire or my excitement or my enthusiasm off of you. I'm basing my enthusiasm off of what God has done for me and who God is in my life. Amen? So I can come to church and I can have church all by myself. I don't need everybody else. Hey, if everybody else is excited, then it's a little bit better. But I'm going to have church, and you can have church all by yourself. Amen. It can be deader than a doorknob, like my dad says. Amen. But the Spirit of God can be moving in your life, and you can walk out, and you can hear someone say, man, that that service was dead. And you're saying, man, this is a band. That service was powerful. God moved. I'm so excited. I'm so in love with the Lord. I'm so enthusiastic about God. I'm so full of God because it's not about anybody else. It's about you and God. The Lord expects, listen, his children to be wholehearted. Right? Don't you think God expects us to be wholehearted? All in, all or nothing? I'm going to get to the text in a second, but I'm leading up to it. God expects us to give him everything. We need to be wildly willing workers. There's a three W for you. WWW, amen? Wildly working, what did I say? Willing, there we go. See, I don't even know my own notes. Wildly willing workers. Can you imagine what we could do to Denton, Texas, if we were wild and willing and working? Wild and willing and working. Many of you were wild before you got saved. Amen? Start being wild for Jesus. Amen? Start being wild for the Lord. Many of you were willing to do anything before. Why don't you start being willing to do something for God? I won't go to the work part. Wildly willing workers. Amen. I don't know how everybody's work ethic is. Who are filled with an impassioned desire, listen, to please and serve him enthusiastically. Or in God. Serve him in him and for him. Revelation chapter 3. Look at the person next to you and say, wake up. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, smile. Jesus loves you. One more, t- one more thing. Get ready to listen to an awesome message from the word of God. All right. Verse 14 of Revelation 3. Say amen if you're there. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, says the, say, write these things, sorry, says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of of the creation of God I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot by the way I haven't given you a title yet it says are you on fire for God that's not and ask the person next to you if you if he's on fire or she's on fire I asked you are you on fire for God amen how many of you know we can be on fire for a lot of things we can be fervent about a lot of things God wants us to be on fire for him. So verse 15 again, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. That is a place you do not want to be. Hey, the Bible is very clear, and we're going to read it right here. He does not want you to be cold or hot, or, or neither, neither cold nor hot. He does not want you to be lukewarm. He wants you to be one or the other. And, and we've always said this, you're not going to go all the way in for God. Just go ahead and go all the way in for the world. Because there is no in-between for God. You realize that tonight? We're either on fire for God or we're cold. 
You, and we got, and sometimes you might have days and weeks, hopefully not weeks, days where you're feeling kind of cold. You're feeling kind of down. But you need to shake yourself up. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to be in the word of God like I've been telling you lately a lot. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Study to show yourself approved. Be in, the, in relationship with God. Be, be, let the word of God be feeding you and making you excited. And don't worry about somebody else. You need to be there sitting right now listening to this message. And as I'm preaching and saying words, they need to be lighting you up inside. Something needs to be bubbling inside of you. And you, oh, yeah, I just read that last week. Oh, yeah, Lord just spoke that to me. Oh, yeah, that's a confirmation. Or, oh, man, I hope this service gets over soon. One or the other. Right? Lukewarm is not an option with God. Are you on fire for God? I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. Now, let's continue. I wish, this is God speaking, you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and listen, I'm not calling anybody lukewarm here tonight. I'm just reading the scripture. Because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. How many know there's a people like that? And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. And he says these words, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. I bet you that verse right there is not preached a whole lot today. Amen? It's not preached probably a lot. It's, not probably, it's probably not in the top 50 verses being preached in churches today. But let me tell you something. That's a healthy verse right there. That's a healthy portion of scriptures I just read. And it's something that we got to continue to look in our lives and say, God, what are you speaking to me? God, where am I at with you? How is our relationship? Amen. When a marriage or a friendship or a problem arises in a relationship, it's because there's not daily communication. It's because we're not saying, hey, how are we doing? You let something go for two or three weeks or a month or two or three months, you're going to have some problems. And you got to be in a relationship with God the same way. You can't wait two or three months to say, God, how are we doing? You can't wait two or three months to say, God, is there anything I need to change in my life to be right with you? God, am I hot? Am I cold? Am I lukewarm? I don't want to be spit out of God's mouth. Amen. I want to be on fire. I want to be enthusiastic about God. I'm going to do something I usually don't do. I want to read this again. Go back to verse 15 again. I want you to listen to this. I want you to underline. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to I because this is the key to being ready for the return of the Lord, for being ready to die, for being ready to face this world, is making sure that my relationship with God is strong. How many want a strong relationship with Jesus? Not a social relationship, a strong relationship 
with Jesus. I've said this before. I don't want an okay relationship with my wife. I want the best relationship I can have. I don't want an okay relationship with my daughters. I want the best relationship I can have with my daughters. I don't want to have just a decent relationship with my, fa- my parents. I want to have the best relationship I can have. I want to have the best relationship with God that I can. I want to be as close to him as possible. I want to be so on fire that nobody else can get around me. Amen? Because I'm burning. Amen? How many want to be burning for the Lord tonight? Amen? Burning so much that stuff can't stick to you that's not God. It try to touch you and have to flee away because it's so hot. Amen? I want to be so on fire for God. Sin can't get around me. Things of the world can't get around me. They say, I ain't messing with that person. He's not messing around. How many know if you're not messing around, the devil can't mess with you? If you're taking this serious and you're on fire for God and you're in love with God and you're reading his word and you know how to use the authority God's given you, the devil's not going to mess with you. Amen. He, he's going to think twice. He say, that person knows how to divide the word of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth because you say, I'm rich and have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable. Man, that's some strong words. Everybody says, oh, the gospel's not conflictive. When's the last time someone called you wretched? Or miserable? Poor, blind, and naked? He says, I counsel you. How many want the counsel of God tonight? I want God's counsel. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be what? Rich. Look at this. And white garments. I'm not, I'm not preaching anything in times tonight, but I've been mentioning the word white garments a lot. He says, buy from me white garments. That's something we got to keep on us. We got to keep our clothes clean that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with, with eye salve that you may see. And listen, this is the key. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Immaturity in God says, oh, God's picking on me. That's immature. Oh, God's pick. Oh, why is he always pick? Oh, what? Why? Why do? That's immature. Maturity says, God, you're speaking, you're rebuking me, you're chastising me, and I need to listen. Because you are doing it, if I believe your word, because you love me. And if he's rebuking you or chastising you or correcting you, it's because he loves you. What good parent doesn't do that to their kids? Amen. Therefore, he says, do what? Be zealous and what? What's that word? Y'all there? What's the last word? Repent. Repentance is healthy. Daily repentance. Two or three times a day repentance. You can't repent too much. There's a spirit inside of you that says, Lord, I don't want to displease you. I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I don't want, I don't want to say anything that's going to, Lord, if I, if I have a thought, forgive me. There's a spirit of repentance. This nation needs to repent. This city needs to repent. The church needs to repent. That We need to repent. We need to have a spirit of repentance. He says, be zealous 
and repent. The Lord wants and needs on fire, red, hot, enthusiastic followers in this day and age more than he's ever needed them in the whole entire time of the Bible, church. He needs people on fire tonight. This is not the time to get cold. This is not the time to love the world. This is not the time to mess around. This is a time to get back in the fire, amen? How many want to be on fire for God tonight? We need it more than anything on this earth. Listen, you say, oh, I need a car, I need a fridge, I need clothes. No, you need fire on, from God, amen? And when you're on fire from God, all the other things you need will come, I promise you. Get on fire for God. Buy the things you need from God. Buy the clothes. Buy the gold refined by fire. Fire burns. When you put something in the fire, it all the things that are not supposed to be there burn away and what's supposed to be there stays. Some of us sometimes don't get close enough to the fire to get burnt. It's a good burn. It's a good burn. How many have ever worked out enough to know there's a word called it's a good burn? Amen. It hurts. It burns. You start doing abs or something or running, your muscles start hurting. It's because they're burning. We need to be like that in the spirit. We need to burn for God. And know that as we're staying hot, nothing's coming into our life that shouldn't be there. Listen, disciples, this is what we need, who are determined to follow Jesus all the way. Disciples who are determined to follow Jesus all the way. How many disciples are in here tonight? Are you determined to finish the race? To go all the way, to not turn back, to not look back like, like Lot's wife did and, and then be turned into salt. We need to look forward and not look back. And listen, the reason is, is because we have the truth. We have got the truth tonight. We have the, the real deal. Do you believe that tonight? You need to ask yourself, do I believe in what I believe? Because I've been telling you for even the last few weeks, I believe today more than I've ever believed in my life. I know that we have the truth. I know that God's word is real and it cannot lie. We should have a passion and a fire, listen, that motivated the apostles to give their lives for Jesus. Ask yourself that question. I'm pricking you a little bit tonight. We need to be pricked. You say, well, I'm here, so... That's good. You should be here. We should be here Sunday night. We should be in church. Listen, sometimes we pat ourselves too much on the back because we complied. We should be here. We should love Jesus. Don't get to that place where you're always looking for a pat on the back because you did what you were supposed to do for the Lord. Oh, I'm not, I know y'all getting all quiet on me now. Don't look for a pat on the back from the Lord. Do what you're supposed to do. Love God. Jesus wasn't looking for a pat on the back. He said, I'm going to go die on that cross for these people. Even though if they spit on me, pull my beard out, make fun of me, I'm going to still die for them. And we need to have that attitude. I'm going to stay on fire for God. I don't care if everybody else grows cold. I am going to stay on fire for God. Amen? And guess what happens when you're on fire? People around you get on fire. When you're cold, people around you get cold. We, we tend to rub off on each other. So if you're cold, get around someone who's hot. 
And if you want to stay hot, stay away from the people who are cold. Don't get around them. Don't hang around them. They'll bring you down. Get around people that are hot and on fire. Listen, find some people in this church who want to talk about the Lord. Find some people in this church that want to do a Bible study. Find some people in this church that want to have a prayer meeting. Find some people in this church that want to go do some outreach. Find some people in this church that want to do something for God. And say, let's go hang out. Let's go do some outreach and then go get dinner or vice versa, however you want to do it. But begin to hang around some people that are on fire. Everything we do, everything we say, and everything we go to and, and take care of should be on fire for God. You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14? The love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ. I, 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 that, I could make that my new, my new theme for my life. The love of Christ compels me. Maybe we need to stop tonight and look at where we should be. Maybe we should stop and think, where should I be right now? Don't stay there too long, but long enough to be compelled. Where should I be tonight? Should I be in jail? Should I be in the hospital? Should I be dead? Should I be in hell? I know I should be in hell. But his love, while I was a sinner, he died for me. And the love that he has for me compels me to live for him. Because the Bible says this to me, and I'll never forget it. I love Jesus because he first loved me. And he showed me his love by stretching his arms out for me. Amen? And so the love of Christ compels me. And we've got to get to a place where we're reading this enough that we're, we're falling more in love with him every day. If you're not reading this enough, you're not going to be in love with the Lord. You've got to be reading this word. This word will make you fall in love with the Lord. You've got to be in prayer. You've got to be on fire. You've got to stir up something inside of you. There was a great missionary. I think I might have even mentioned his name this morning, David Livingstone. Remember the guy the guy was trying to find? That happens to be in my message tonight. When, it's, when he was still a young man, was faced with a decision and wrote this in his diary. I have found that no unusual, and uh, I have found, sorry, that I have no unusual uh, endowments of intellect. Meaning I'm not very smart. But this day I resolve that I will be an uncommon Christian. I'm going to be different. How many know there's a lot of people in this world that call themselves Christians? I want to be an uncommon Christian. He purposed in his heart to give all to the Lord and determined to become an enthusiast for the truth. And, and he was. He became one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever known. He said, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to be different. If you could see tonight, church, for one moment, if I could put up on this screen, man, I wish I could sometimes, if I could just put up on this screen the day of the judgment seat of Christ. Not judgment, because we believe in Jesus Christ. We're not going to that one. If I could just put up here for a second, the judgment seat of Christ. It would motivate us to do something for God. Amen? It would compel us to say, man, I got to get busy. I don't want to be empty-handed before God. I want to do something. I want to get a reward. Amen? I'm going to give you a little test and I write some things down. Because I want you to test yourself. I want to write, I want to tell you a few things that are questions that you should ask yourself. And I want everybody to do this, please. I want you to, I want you to write these things down. And I want you to spend this week, 
I don't, I don't give homework much, and I'm not going to actually really uh, give you a test. This is God's test. But I want you to write some things down. And, I want, and, and as I'm even saying them, some things might click. And I want you to, over this week, I want you to continue. If you just please do this this one time. I don't ask it much to do it. But please, write these things down. And I want you to ask yourself during this week, are these things things that I do or don't do? Because these are ten things that I believe are questions you should ask yourself. And if you say yes to these things, you might be a lukewarm Christian. Okay? Number one, do cares and worries of this life dominate your thoughts and conversations? Do cares, sorry, do, uh, what I say? Yes, cares and worries dominate your thoughts and conversations. And I know it's going to get quiet here for a second because these are some sobering thoughts. Is that always on your mouth? The bad things, the problems, the cares. Is that all you're ever thinking about? Number two, do you practice sin on a regular basis? Do you practice sin on a regular basis? Number three, do you love the things of this world more than God's word? See, some of these, if you're not honest... You're going to answer with the Christianese answer. Oh, yeah, of course I, come on, pastor, are you serious? But I want you to really ask yourself, because what do we read in the first beginning of that scripture? I know your works. Jesus knows our works. We cannot fool God. Amen? We can't fool God. You can put on a facade all day you want. God knows. Do you love the things of this world more than God's word? If, uh, I can't go there. Never mind, I'm not going to go there. Number four, are you too busy for Jesus? What are your priorities? That's number four. Are you too busy for Jesus? What are your priorities? See, sometimes when you, sometimes I got to fight all the time with, with being real and preaching the truth to you because I know people say, man, are you trying to run people off? No, I'm just trying to get people to heaven. I'm just going to, I just want people to go to heaven. So you got to be real. Are you too busy for Jesus? What are your priorities? Number five, do you use God's name in vain? Number six, do you fail to pray earnestly and pray for the lost who will spend eternity in hell? Do you ever, ever think about lost people? Ever. Do, do lost people ever cross your mind? Can you go weeks and months without ever thinking about souls? You might be lukewarm if that's the case. Number seven, do you fail to witness on a regular basis? Or do you hinder others from doing that? Number eight, are you indifferent about your sin? Meaning, what is your attitude about the sin in your life? Do you embrace it? Do you justify it? Or does it bother you? 
If you're indifferent about it or you justify it, that's a lukewarm spirit. Because how many know that if you want to sin and do something wrong, you can find a way to justify it? Or you can find someone that will tell you it's okay. You can find someone who does it. You can find someone who will say it's not that big of a deal. Number nine, do you seek after worldly wealth and fame versus seeking the kingdom of God? And it, it don't have to be fame like being a famous actor. Just is, is, is basically this question would be more, do you love the world more or do you love the kingdom of God more? Is your affection more towards the world or is your affection more towards the things of God? And the last one, do you fail to obey Jesus and God's word on a consistent basis? Meaning, are there things that the Lord is speaking to you and you continually disobey? Those are some things that would, if you, if you answer some of those questions, you might say, Lord, I need to work on these things. And maybe as I was saying them, some of those things were pricking you and, and the Holy Spirit saying, that, that's an area in your life I need you to work on. This is individual. That was 10. Yeah, that was 10. Nine was do you seek after worldly wealth and fame versus seeking the kingdom of God. World versus kingdom of God. Y'all miss one? Did I miss one? Yeah, 10 was you fail to obey. Let's go over them again. Number one, do your cares and conversations in this life dominate your thoughts and conversations? Number two, do you practice sin on a regular basis? Number three, do you love the things of this world more than God's word? Now, I will go there. What that simply means is do you spend two hours on Facebook and five minutes in the Bible? I had to come back to it. I didn't mean to. I wasn't going to do it. You got to ask yourself that. Do you know what everybody did that day but didn't read the word? Number four, are you too busy for Jesus? What are your priorities? That means God needs you to do something, but you've you got to do something else. You're busy. You're not available. Do you use God's name in vain? Some people say, man, I don't do that. There's different ways the Holy Spirit will convict you on how you can do that. Number six, do you fail to pray earnestly and pray for the lost who will spend eternity in hell? Number seven, do you witness on a regular basis or do you hinder others? Number eight, do you justify your sin? What is your attitude towards sin? Number nine, do you seek after worldly wealth and fame versus seeking the kingdom of God? Do you, do, does, is, is your mind on God's business or is your mind on the world's business? And number 10, do you fail to obey Jesus and God's word consistently? These are some things to think about. Now, if there's one of those areas or two of those areas that you are failing in, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily lukewarm. But if you did all 10, you're in trouble. <laughs> you need to get on fire for God. Amen. But God knows. God knows our lives. And our attitude should be, oh, man, why is he talking about this? Our attitude should be, God, help me not be any of those, please. I love you, God. I'm on, I want to be on fire for you, God. I want my pro this doesn't mean you're not going to have days that you spend more time on Facebook than reading the Word. But if that's a daily thing, then that's a problem. Amen? Social media, whatever, it don't matter. Just where's your heart at? That's what it comes back to. Where is your affection? Are you, are you thinking? How often do you think about Jesus during the day? Amen? How often? 
I don't know how often you think about him. Hopefully all the time. Hopefully he's always on your mind. Hopefully he's, you're always talking to him and always in conversation with him. Let's go to a few tests of genuine salvation. This would be on the other side. Okay? We'll end with the good. Number one, do you enjoy fellowship with God? That's a sign of being on fire for God. That means that you come to church because you want to, not because you have to. You praise because you want to, not because you have to. You praise or pray because you want to, not because someone's watching you. Amen? Number two, are you, this is the opposite on this, are you sensitive to sin in your life? If you're on fire for God, listen, if you're on fire for God, the slightest, smallest little thing is going to bother you. It's like, it's like a, a clean glass that has a little smudge on it. Can you picture that? That's, that's how our lives should be. We should be trying to keep that glass clean. And then if you see a little smudge, it bothers you. You're like, man, that, that, I had that thing perfectly clean. You go and you clean out that smudge. So you don't allow it to get all dirty and get all smudged up. You, you deal with it as soon as that little sin comes in. Number three, do you obey the scriptures? Not just listen to them. What does Jesus say? I, I want you to be obeyers of the word, not just hearers. I want you to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Do you obey the scriptures? Number four, do you reject this evil world? Do you put the hand up to this world? Number five, do you love Jesus, watch this, and eager, eagerly wait for his return? The Bible tells us in many scriptures, if I love Jesus, I'm loving his return. I'm looking for his return. I'm watching and waiting for, I'm, I long to be with Jesus. Number six, do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Do you realize and begin to see that, man, I'm not doing the things I used to do. I'm not, sitting, I'm not doing those habitual things anymore. If you're in love with God and, and you're on fire for God and you're living a life of God, you're going to realize that those things you used to do all the time are few and far in between now, if ever. There'll be other little things you've got to deal with, but you begin to see, I'm not habitually living in that sin. It's those things where sometimes the big ones first, where you realize, man, I'm shacking up. Man, I, I've got a drug problem. I've got a pornography problem. I've got a lie problem, a lust problem, an anger problem, some big thing. And you, you feel like, man, I realize I'm not, I'm not doing that stuff no more. That's not dominating my life anymore. That's genuine salvation. Doesn't mean perfection. None of this means perfection. None of us are perfect. It means there's genuine salvation. There's genuine walk with the Lord. Number six, sorry, number seven, do you love other Christians? One of the things that stuck out to me at the promise is when Jesus was telling his disciples the Ten Commandments redefined. That you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is, and you would love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love other Christians? Man, I can't stand being around those people. There's a problem there. Amen? We should love everybody, but if you can't love Christians, you're really in trouble. But if you love Christians, if there's a genuine love for other people in this church, that means you've got a genuine salvation, a genuine love. Amen? Number eight, 
do you get answers to your prayers? Do you see your prayers answered? Not all of them. I'm not saying all of them. But do you see prayers being answered in your life? If you see prayers being answered in your life, that's called fruit. That's called a sign of genuine salvation. Not all of them. Not everything. You're not going to get every prayer answered. But they're, 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 you're seeing God move. You're seeing God do what you're asking because he, you're doing what he's asking. Number nine. Does the Holy Spirit move in your life? Do you hear him talk to you? Does he convict you? Does he move you? Does he compel you? Do you, do you, do you have an interaction with the Holy Spirit? That's genuine salvation, that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Sometimes he's comforting you. Sometimes he's afflicting you. Sometimes he's saying, hey. Other times he's saying, hey. Sometimes it's on the back and sometimes it's in the stomach. But the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. That's a genuine sign. Two more. Number 10. Can you discern between spiritual truth and error? That's a sign of genuine salvation when you begin to see the difference and know the difference between the truth and a lie. How I many know if you're living a lukewarm Christian life, you're not going to know the difference? If you're really walking with the Lord and you're being genuine in your faith, you're going to know the difference. You're going to be able to spot that and say, not any God. That's not of God. And the last one, it will really shake us up a little bit. Have we suffered at all for Jesus' sake? I'm not looking for tribulation. I don't want to be hurt. But have you suffered some tribulation for the Lord? Has somebody hated on you? Has somebody treated you bad? Has somebody mocked you? Has somebody laughed at you? Have you had to go through some rough times, maybe through some kind of trial for the Lord? If you've done those things, it's because you have a genuine salvation and you have a genuine enemy. I promise you, the devil is not messing with lukewarm Christians. He don't have to waste his time. If he's messing with you, it's because you're messing with him. And you're affecting his kingdom. Now, I'm going to end with this. What, if we, what do we do if we're lukewarm? Good question. We get unlukewarm. Amen? We get unlukewarm. First thing you got to do is realize you're lukewarm. And then you accept that and you approach it through honesty. And you say, God, this message tonight is speaking to me. I want to be on fire. I want to start fresh. See, the awesome thing about the gospel is it's fresh. The awesome thing about the gospel is a message that can be preached that can sometimes say, man, I don't think I'm where I want to be, can change tonight. Amen? In an instant, in a second, you can say, Lord, some of these things that, you, that I just read, that I just heard, I, I'm lacking there. But God, tonight, I'm going to change some things. Tonight, I'm going to turn some things around. Tonight, I'm going to change my attitude. And tonight, God will let you start over. You can go from lukewarm to hot in one second. In one second. Just like that, you can get on fire for the Lord at an altar in prayer. God can fi fire you up. Because here's what, here's what, just give me a couple more minutes. Some people feel, man, there's just too many rules to stay a Christian. <clears throat> if somebody says there's too many rules to stay a Christian, they're not looking at it right in the first place. 
Because the foundation of the gospel and the word of God and the entire Bible is that he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He's not trying to make rules. If you see it as rules, you got to question your love for God. It's not rules. It's relationship. It's relationship. And God wants a loving and fiery and passionate relationship with you. And listen, I'm going to step on some more toes right here. Maybe you need that loving, fiery, passionate relationship in all your relationships. Maybe you need that fire in your marriage, fire with your kids, fire with your... Maybe you need an overhaul on your relationships. Oh, I didn't get nothing on that one. Bounced all over the place. It's true. Amen. If we can't have a good relationship with the people we see on this earth, the Bible says, how can we love God that we cannot see? Maybe you need to start some fire in the relationship that you have with your spouse, with your kids, with the people around you tonight, and get to actually like some people, amen, and work on that and make it real and genuine. Somebody say amen just to get me to move on to the next point. We know we got to stay away from lying and witchcraft and adultery and idolatry and fornication and homosexuality and being afraid and all that. We know all the rules, but the thing is, do we have an honest relationship with Jesus? Honest. Because honestly speaking, the truth is, if we're not abiding in the Lord, how do I get on lukewarm? You abide in the Lord. It means you spend time with him. You can't tell you, if you're having a spouse problem, a marital problem, you can't say, hey, let's talk in six, seven days and see what happens. I understand space. I understand some, some times where sometimes you've got to get away from each other. But you're not going to fix something away from each other. You've got to talk things out. You've got to be honest with God and say, God, we need to get this right. And he'll tell you what you need to do. But you've got to abide with him. It means you've got to stay around the fire when he begins to correct you. Too many Christians run from correction instead of loving correction. The Lord Jesus, I'm going to close with this, and the Bible are our victory tonight. The Lord Jesus and his word are our victory over Satan, over the carnful sinful nature. And Jesus, listen, is our victory. And we can only overcome these things when we have a close and personal and enthusiastic and fiery relationship with Jesus. That's the only way we can overcome these things is staying close to Jesus. The idea is not to run away from him. It's to run to him. Amen. Now, as the musicians come, I'm going to give you a, how many want a secret revelation tonight? How many like secrets? Good secrets, amen? Everybody likes secrets. Here's a nugget. I want to tell you some prayers that Jesus will always answer. How many would like to have some answered prayers tonight? Let me give you a few prayers Jesus will always answer. Guess what they're called? They're called self-help prayers. Jesus always answers self-help prayers prayers y'all with me still these are some prayers he always answers when you say help me god he always answers always always god is never going to turn away a self-help prayer anytime you say a self-help prayer help me god it's what we call in basketball slam dunk 
Baseball, home run. Football, touchdown. Whatever other name, whatever sport you consider a sport. Amen. It's all the way. It's big. Amen. It's big. Because self-help is saying, God, I'm not good enough. I'm not able. I can't do this on my own. Help me change. And God says, I'll do that. I want to do that. That's why I've been dealing with you. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Here's a few examples of self-help prayers. Oh, Jesus, please help me love you more. That's always a yes. Jesus, please help me love you more. Yes. Jesus, Father in heaven, help me to fear you more. Help me to revere you more. Help me, Father, to know you better. Yes. Yes. That's a self-help prayer he'll say yes to. Jesus, help me quit smoking. Yes. That's always a yes. Whether he sets you free in one minute, one day, or one month, it's always a yes. And it usually has to do with us. Here's another one. Help me, Jesus, to be more like you. Yes. Immediate yes. These are some good prayers. Father in heaven, help me to understand the Bible better. Lord, give me a passion to read the word more. Yes. You see the prayers I'm saying? They're impossible to say no to. God can't resist. He can't resist. Think about some of these things I'm saying. God can't say, nah, get to know me better, love me more, know the Bible better. Yes, 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 yes. Lord, last one. Jesus, help me overcome this world. Help me overcome my enemies. Help me overcome my sinful nature. Yes, 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 son, yes, daughter. I'll answer that right now. Self-help prayers are the best. Anything that will bring you closer to God, anything that will take you away from the world, God will say yes to every time. And that's what he's looking for tonight. He's looking for us to ask for help. All of us are in places where we don't have enough strength to make it. I, I'm, God, I'm weak. God, I can't do this. God says, I'll help you if you ask. I'm willing. I'm willing. My, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Father, in this place tonight, you know our works. And God, we want the fire. Fire of God. Fire of the Holy Spirit. God, we want to know you more. We want to be in love with you and hate this world. Lord, we want to obey your word. Lord, we want to be able to receive correction. Lord, we want to be able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when you convict us. Lord, we want to be able to understand your word better. God, we want to be able to, to not have a life of sin that we justify. God, we want to spend time with you intimate time real time quality time father because we want to and because we love you and we're going to do things because your love compels us to do it because we have to lord break the chains of the rut lord break the chains of the compliance lord break the chains of religion let us fall in love with you and do what we do because we 
love you, Father.